came a long way. That's what the song say. And I could do all things. I could do all things. Yeah, I could do all things. Yeah, yeah. We came a long way. That's what the song say. And I could do all Hey, what's up? What's going on? And welcome to the Be Real Podcast, where we keep it real on social issues, history, news, faith, and everything in between. It's your one-stop podcast with thought-provoking talk and real content. Now, it's time to get real with your host, Brandon Mosley. You already know what I'm about to tell you. Swag that out. I could do all things. I could do all things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what the song say. I could do all things. I could do all things. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the song say. You can do all things. Yeah, yeah. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Be Real Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Mosley. Once again, thank you for just joining me on our second season, second episode of the second season. We're having fun still. Um, with that being said, if you're enjoying the podcast, I have uh, uh, quite a few consistent listeners. So please, please, please make sure you five-star and write a review on uh, whatever website or whatever means you're listening to the show, especially if you're listening through Apple Podcasts. That's a great way for people to find the show as well. Share the show. Let people know um, where you're getting your podcast fix from. Also, 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 feel free to email me or message me through the Anchor app as well. So we're here to talk about voting suppression. And the crazy thing, voting suppression has an effect not only in preventing people from voting, but discouraging people from voting. So let's take a listen real quick to a great clip from Blackish. Ballots came today. Huh. What? They changed our polling place. Of course they did. They want to make it harder for us to find them. That is the reason I don't vote in the first place. <laughs> You're kidding, right? You vote. You have to vote. Of course you vote. You don't vote, do you? Why should I? The election's rigged. He's what? right. Why else do you think Bernie isn't the candidate? Because Hillary got more votes. Or did she? She did. Maybe that's just what they want you to believe. Because it's the truth. Who's truth? I'm not doing this with you. And I'm not voting this year. What's wrong? with you. We weren't raised that way. We were raised to boycott non-hemp fibers and use leeches as band-aids, so that argument's not great. Sideshow Bob here's got a point, Rainbow. The system is broken. No, you're broken. And you're setting a bad example for my son. No, they're right. They're rigging the vote at school. What are you talking about? We're supposedly voting for a new class pet. They say it's between a parrot, a snake, and a guinea pig. Well, who are they kidding? They're not gonna let us get something cool like a snake. Damn right. That's a free-thinking animal. And it's not like they want our vote anyway. They're having it during lunch on Chicken Stars Day. Uh, no one's going to show up for that. Classic voter suppression. Okay. You need to suppress your face. So aggressive. Ooh, is that the new Black Braves? Mm. This clip boils down everything that is being talked about right now. And everything that we've seen historically as well. Understand it's so easy to be discouraged in voting based off of just looking at what's happening out there. So easy to say, I, I'd rather not vote. Um, and one time in history that I can remember that voting became almost like a cool thing to do was back in 2008. And I, I remember this time, um, frankly, because it's my first time being able to vote in a presidential election. I was able to vote in the midterm election, but it doesn't have the same type of energy around it. And I remember first hearing about Barack Obama uh, 2004 when I was a senior in high school uh, and I couldn't vote yet. I was a few, I was a month too, too late. I was, my birthday's in December, but I remember um, thinking, um, looking at the, 2004 Democratic Convention, this guy could be president one day. And everyone says, oh, everyone says that. Everyone said that. But is that true? I literally wrote a paper about Barack Obama uh, my freshman year of college saying in the next few years, he could run for president and win. And everyone thought I was crazy. I remember uh, having family members saying they weren't going to vote for Barack Obama because they didn't think he had a chance. Um, so they were thinking about 
voting for Hillary Clinton. And I just remember just pressing people like, no, this guy's the truth. He can do it. And I remember the day going to vote. Um, my voting place, I wanted to say it opened at like 7 a.m. or something like that. And I lived in Long Beach at the time, Long Beach, California. And my voting place was on the corner. Literally a two-minute walk from my home, my apartment at the time. And let's just say like there was in between my voting place and me was a parking spot and then the voting place, which was a church. And I was the very first person in line. I want to say I got there before, maybe around 6 to 6.15-ish because I wanted to be early. I was super excited. Um, I had all my notes prepared on how I was going to vote for measures and uh, different things of that nature. And and I was just super ecstatic. Got my, my sticker that I voted. I uh, went to school. And I remember driving by other polling places that lines were extremely long and people were waiting forever. Um, but we got the vote done, right? We made it happen. And today I want to talk about in this episode what voting suppression actually is, the history of voting suppression, and what's happening currently, and how can we overcome it and fix voting suppression. Okay, okay. So, what is voting suppression in the first place? What is it? So, let's talk about it. So, voting suppression is simple. It's any measure, legally or illegally, to prevent people who are eligible to vote from voting. Disproportionately, people of color are normally the targets of this. But not only people of color, but people who are disabled part of the LGBTQ community, uh, young voters like college students, elderly, are all part of suppression. And last but not least, poverty and those who are homeless or unhoused. Which means those people are normally, studies show, voting democratically for the Democratic Party. Those are the people who are normally found being suppressed, right? Disenfranchised, prevented from voting, right? And the crazy thing is voting suppression laws always come from one group of people, one party, the Republican Party. This is just a fact. Um, And those lawmakers benefit from those laws. And the reason why is when there's lower voter turnout, that equates for a victory normally for the GOP. Midterm elections, low voter turnout. Normally, the GOP does very well. 2010, very well. Okay, 2014, very well. Um, So that's normally the case. 2018, they didn't do as well because voting turnout was up in midterm election in 2018. So understand this, that at the end of the day, voting suppression has been realistically a part of American history from the very start. From the very start, just to vote, you had to be 21 years old and you had to be a land-owning white male. But here's the deal. At the time, purchasing property wasn't too difficult. So about 75% of white males in the colonies own land or could own land, right? But when you look at it as as the whole, that population only really represented 10 to maybe 20% of the whole population, which means people who are left out happen to be, of course, slaves, women, Jewish people, Catholics, poor, young adults, and of course, Native Americans. Right. The Constitution never really gave, how can I say, true protection over voting. It allowed the Constitution gave power to the states 
uh, to create any voting requirements. And which meant each state was a little bit different from the very from the very beginning. Every state, for the most part, had some type of property or tax qualification. Like you had to own property or also pay taxes. One state that was a little different was New Jersey. In the 1770s, late 1770s, they came up with the Constitution, the state constitution said all inhabitants could vote. That was a problem. Because that allowed people to think that African Americans that happened to be free, because there was, of course, free blacks, and women could possibly vote. In 1792, they clarified that in terms for blacks, letting them know only um, white males could vote that owned some form of property that was didn't have to be land. Right? Um, so with that being said, by the 1820s, all that changed. It was universal for all white male suffrage, right, by the late 1820s. That's why you have someone like Andrew Jackson becoming a president, a regular guy that really had no business being president. But that's another story, right? That's how he became president, right, in 1828. So with that being said, there was another 50-odd years before anyone else received any form of voting rights. And that was with the 15th Amendment. 1870, 15th Amendment gave African-Americans, the, the male population, of course, suffrage, opportunities to vote. Um, but it still gave states the power to regulate that. And that's where the problems really lie. So after the Civil War, we have a thing called Reconstruction, which I can't get too far deep in because that deserves its own episode, if not even its own season. Um, you see by 1870, the 15th Amendment is ratified and you have a lot of African-Americans coming in as elected officials because white um, Southerners who were still loyal to the Confederate flag could not serve. So 1870, Mississippi um, allowed um, and selected a black senator by the name of Hiram Revels. All right. And he served for a whole year. That's big. U.S. Senate. Right. But it, it gets even more interesting because what we find out is throughout Mississippi, um, they had a bunch of people, African-Americans, being elected. 1874, you have Blanche uh, Bruce being elected for a six-year full term to the Senate. Okay, he was an escaped slave, a slave from uh, during the Civil War. And the craziest thing is also, with that, you had the Lieutenant Governor, Secretary of State, Secretary of Education, People all through state Senate, U.S. Congress, all being elected in Mississippi. Okay, and this was very common, very, very common. Even during uh, Reconstruction, we had 17 African Americans serve in the United States Congress alone. Okay, and throughout the South, this was the case. We're talking about Louisiana, we're talking about Alabama. The same idea lieutenant governors, state secretaries, all these things happening. They're all being elected as Republicans. All right. And after Blanche got elected in Mississippi, um, it was a big problem. Big problem because now they have two African Americans being elected to the U.S. Senate, and these seats used to be held by people like Jefferson Davis, the president of guess what, the Confederacy. So what happens is Mississippi gets so upset that they start pushing some way, somehow, to prevent the black vote. They started with the 1875 plan. So under this plan, Democrats started to um, get very aggressive. When I say aggressive, they had white paramilitary organizations like the Red Shirts, right? They started to um, pressure scallywags, which were white Republicans um, who were for Reconstruction. They are pressuring them economically and things of that nature to force them to move over to guess what the democratic party or leave the south um the second part of the plan was intimidating african-americans so they were intimidating economically at first with sharecroppers saying they were losing their field to work on things of that nature they were also bothered with their uh crops um and the most dangerous thing that they would do is actually show up doing election day polling places with weapons and crowds um, beating and killing African-Americans. Okay. Um, this intimidation worked very well. They used rifle clubs as well. 
Um, and they provoked many riots, right, against any Republicans. Or anytime there was a Republican rally, they were trying to start some form of riot, okay? And they shot and killed dozens of people, okay? Um, the governor in Mississippi was asking for troops um, from Ulysses S. Grant. Um, he didn't want to ha- act at all. He didn't want it to happen because he thought people were going to think it was um, some type of military or, or militant rule. Other words, bayonet rule that he called it. So with that being said, he didn't really step in. And that allowed this to happen, of course. And the Democrats started to take back power in Mississippi. Um, and his fear was if he did step in that it would affect Ohio, what was going on in the election there. Um, so he wouldn't step in bottom line with that success though, it allowed for other white Democrats throughout the South to start doing the same thing. So throughout the South, you had, um, rifle clubs, the red shirt coming around the white league coming around and causing riots. So we see this stuff happening in South Carolina and Louisiana in 1876, where they're trying to prevent um, black people from voting and also being elected. So they end up killing 150 people. Okay. Um, And instead of stepping in and stopping it, they allowed it to happen. The sheriffs even end up being killed. Um, And by the end of all this, the 1877 compromise um, to settle this occurred. And this compromise pretty much allowed every soldier to leave the South. And these soldiers were protecting and ensuring that African-Americans and the Republicans would um, be able to do business without being harmed. But with the 1877 compromise, it settled the presidential election, allowed the Republican Party that was now being controlled by Northeast business elite to get away from the reconstruction, end it, and move on. So by 1890, though, Mississippi decided we got to make sure blacks can never vote again. So they got together with uh, over 100 delegates, and their number one job from Judge Solomon Calhoun, the president of the convention for their constitution, was to somehow circumvent the 15th Amendment and ensure that blacks don't vote. There was one African-American there, so let me let you hear about him. The only black delegate was Isaiah T. Montgomery. Black people were looking for somebody that whites would accept, and so they elected Isaiah to go to this convention. My mission is to offer an olive branch of peace to bridge a chasm that has been developing and widening for a generation that threatens destruction to you and yours while it promises no enduring prosperity to me and mine. Isaiah Montgomery, burning with desire to protect Mount Bayou from white intervention, agreed to vote in favor of an amendment to keep illiterates from voting. The law's real meaning was clear. There is no use to equivocate or lie about the matter. Mississippi's Constitutional Convention was held for no other purpose than to eliminate the nigger from politics. Not the ignorant, but the nigger. James Vardaman. Mississippi whites cheered, but to black leaders, Montgomery was a traitor and a turncoat. He has virtually said to the nation, you have done wrong in giving us this great liberty. He has surrendered part of his rights to an enemy who will make this surrender a reason for demanding all of his rights. He is not a conscious traitor, but his act is an act of treason. Treason for the cause of the colored people not only of his own state, but of the United States. Frederick Douglass. Montgomery claimed the black vote was lost anyway. He won a measure of safety for his people. Mount Bayou is the ship, he said. All else is an open, raging, tempestuous sea. So Isaiah was the mayor and founder um, three years earlier. So we're talking about 1887 of Mount Bayou, right, in Mississippi. 
which is an all-black town, something like Black Wall Street that people hear about all the time in um, Oklahoma. So understand this was not a, how can I say, a one-off. This is happening throughout all America. So he came thinking that, I got to make sure I protect mine, um, forget the rest, in, in essence. And what he voted for is this. He voted for poll taxing, literacy tests, and the grandfather clause. The template that all southern states will use for decades to come. Close to 100 years, to be exact. So, with that being said, poll taxing wasn't just, oh, we'll just pay this, this year's tax. No, poll taxing was once you're 21 years old, and let's say you decide to, I don't know, register vote at 42, you owe 21 years worth of poll tax. And you had to pay that upfront in cash. And that's a problem for an African-American sharecropper because they only get paid at the end of the season. And normally, which would be way too late to even pay. And normally, poll tax would represent closely to about 6% of the average Mississippi um, black citizen pay for the year. Okay? And with these payments, they could not, they could not really pay late. Had to be on time. And let's say you couldn't pay it. There was a clause, the grandfather clause. But that clause was only used if or invoked if your grandfather prior to the Civil War was a registered voter. How many of those registered voters were black? Zero. Right? So understand that. This was all a setup. Then the literacy test is just ridiculous. Ridiculous. You work for Mr. Dunn down at the rest home, ain't that right? Yes, sir. Wonder what old Dunn will say when I tell him one of his gals down here stirring a fuss. I ain't stirring no fuss. I'm just here trying to register the vote. Recite the Constitution's preamble. You know what a preamble is? We the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union. How many county judges in Alabama? 67. Name them. So that big thug you heard at the end was literally the denial stamp, right? So understand this literacy test was supposedly um, formed under the guise that they wanted a more informed elected, right? More informed voter. But reality was the literacy test was things like that. And it went as far as having people trying to interpret um, very complicated Sections of the Constitution, right? Not only that, um, it would get as strange as saying how many jelly beans is in this jar and how many bubbles are on a bar of soap. And at the same time, intimidating you with your employment or other means, okay? And all this was happening for decades, okay? That if you're white, you didn't have to really take the test Either they, if they, you did, they would give you easier questions or they just pass you along. Okay. And all this pretty much stayed the same until the 1965 Voting Rights Act that created local federal oversight. Okay. For, for states who are historically those who suppress people of color. So those with the Jim Crow restrictions. Um, by 1970, added to the Civil Rights or the Voting Rights Act was a 1970 language for minority groups. Um, meaning if you were a person who spoke a different language, let's just say something like maybe Spanish, um, they would have to provide assistance and voting um, le- literature and material in your language. 
Okay. Now I think we're pretty much caught up in the history of voter suppression, but here's a connection to the history to the current day. Um, felon disenfranchisement started with Florida, Mississippi, and Alabama. So they rewrote their laws after the Civil War to target black males, right? They wanted to make sure they become felons. And if you haven't read the new Jim Crow South or watched the, the documentary 13th, please make sure you do so. This connects with all this. So in 1868, the Florida Constitution Convention got together and their number one goal was to limit black voters. Similar to Mississippi, um, they just did, did things a little bit different. They decided to um, make sure that the numbers that are, that are already being shown, that they were being outnumbered by black male voters, they had to stop that. So the way they wanted to stop that was to make crimes that would most likely be committed by poor blacks as a felony, like vagrancy. If you are fresh out of slavery, you have no home, you're a vagrant, that's a felony. You're being arrested. Petty theft, you have no food, no money. You need to eat. And other crimes like that were all elevated to felonies. One instance or example, in 1880, a black man named Cuffey Washington was barred from voting for stealing three oranges. Yes, three oranges. So this worked very well because black turnout in the early 1800s in Florida was about 67%, nearly 70%. By 1892, it was down to 11%. And today... Um, one in every 13 black adults in the USA are disenfranchised because of felony conviction. Now, according to the same um, report, it shows that Florida, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Virginia, it's actually one in five African-Americans are disenfranchised because of felony votes. Right? So what happens is some of the felonies in, in, in some of these states like Florida is resisting arrest. We all know how that goes. Um, driving habitually with traffic offenses, meaning being pulled over too many times. Once again, driving while black, we understand that as well. So all these happen to be or could be considered different rate felonies. Okay, Florida has been a battle state since, I don't know, like 2000. Hmm, right? Um, Florida has always been very close, tight races. So with that being said, with so many people not being able to vote because of felonies, that kind of prevents a fair election. So by 2018, and this is right after, you know, or, or going actually going through the election um, when it was super close for their governor election. Um, we all know what happened there. Um, the Republican won very, very slim margin. So with that same election brought in new changes with their laws in terms of voting. So what you see is now that former felons could now register to vote. And what happened was hundreds of thousands of them, thousands of them started to register the vote. Once that happened, the Republican um, state held legislator. And the governor decided to add a caveat. And that caveat was, if you want to ensure your sentencing to be considered complete, you had to pay fines, which meant 770,000 people had to pay fines, ranging from a few hundred to thousands of dollars. And here's the problem with that. Most of the record keeping with these fines were, how can I say, very outdated. Not even on computers, not even on full print out papers some of them were actually handwritten on guess what three by five index cards and misplaced or in places that people haven't seen or been to in years which means not very how can i say the best form of keeping track of any fines so it's going to be pretty hard for many people to even figure out what they owe and how how they can pay it, pretty much. Where do they go to get this information? So they, they're they're making it very difficult for these people to register to vote. Okay, and here's the crazy thing. With that being said, these type of laws, 
of course, reduce voter turnout, right? Um, not only that, in 2013, this is what really changed voting suppression as we know it. So Shelby County versus Holder, which is Holder is, of course, the attorney general at the time. Um, this landmark case, I'll call it, gutted the Civil Rights Act. Okay, um, Justice Roberts, for years, wanted to gut the fifth section, but instead he was able to go after the fourth section, which gives the fifth section all its, you can say, operational power. So first and foremost, what the fourth section does, it creates a formula to add jurisdiction or these states to be placed in these jurisdictions to be a part of oversight. And these states are normally states um, who are historically known to, guess what, have voting suppression. So there are about nine states um, pretty much in the South and also including Alaska at the time. So with that being said, what we saw was the fifth section, which allows for that oversight and allows for preclearance for any changes of voting venues or um, voting registration operations um, to be cleared and approved by the federal government. And the Supreme Court didn't say f- the fifth um, section was unconstitutional. It didn't even say the fourth was. It just said it was outdated and the data was outdated and needed the Congress to, of course, fix that. Right. And that's what, why they stru- struck the fourth section down. And since 2013, um, the Congress has not, Senate especially, has not voted on a Voting Rights Act um, in terms of replacing that fourth, fourth section. Because, as you probably know, the Senate has been controlled by, guess what, the Republicans. This opened up the door for many new rules such as voter ID laws. These voter ID laws, you say, oh, you just need to bring your ID, no big deal. No, it's a really big deal. Here's the, here, here's why it's a big deal. In the wake of this this 2013 Supreme Court decision, 35 states passed voter ID laws. And out of those 35, guess the number, nine, <laughs> I wonder which nine, um, decided to have very strict measures for the voting ID law, such as... If you came to vote and you didn't have your picture ID with you or it was expired, which happens to a lot of us, you would not be able to vote unless you voted on a provisionary ballot, which means it probably won't be counted. Um, And two of those states who happen to have those type of laws are Florida and Ohio, forever swing states, as we all know. Um, And laws like this normally reduce uh, voter turnout by two to three percent and those with stricter laws it can range up to four or more four or five percent somewhere around there so let's just work on a two to three percent margin hillary clinton lost florida by less than two percent so the voter id law played a pretty big role in that okay and she lost other states very closely as well so here's why it's a problem so the cost of IDs can be very expensive for some people, right? And not only that, consuming time. And consuming time meaning that people may have to take days off. If you have to take a day off of work and you're already working poor, which means you have to work every day, and there's no sick days, no leaves, no vacation time, you're going to miss out on a very important day that can help you pay your rent, okay? Not only that, what happens was, Um, Once these voter ID laws were enacted, many DMVs started to close in high minority communities, which means in some places like Texas, residents would have to travel over 250 miles to DMV. You tell me, are you traveling 250 miles for uh, for an ID and you have to work every day and you may not even have a car? Hmm. Okay. So you may ask yourself, well, okay, maybe they're a student. They can use student IDs. Nope, not at all. So if you're a student in in Texas, which at most of the major universities are um, more non-white than than white, you cannot use your student ID. 
at all. But if you happen to have a gun license, you can. And majority of gun owners in Texas happen to be, guess what? White. Hmm. Okay. And here's a crazy number. Over 21 million U.S. citizens do not have government-issued photo IDs. Okay. So, in predominantly black and brown areas where the DMVs are closed down and you're working and you need to work, it's going to be very hard for you to get a voter, or I'm sorry, to get a government issue ID. So because of this 2013 gutting of the Civil Rights Act, in recent years, something else occurred. Polling places have been reduced in minority neighborhoods. And also, early voting has been cut down, and polling places have closed or opened later, right? Um, so what, what that means is this. If you live in a black or brown community, you're going to wait 45% longer than white voters. So, for instance, in 2012, that election, white voters in white neighborhoods had the shortest wait time. They waited on average seven minutes in and out, you know, can go on your lunch break, go right before work, after work, seven minutes, no big deal, right? That's how long commercials are on, right? Well, in Fullerton County, Georgia, in Atlanta, they had 80 fewer uh, precincts in June, okay? In Jefferson County, in Kentucky, which is where Louisville is, there was one polling place for 600,000 registered voters. And last year in Texas, Texas closed more polling places and sites than any state especially in growing black and brown communities, which meant in some places people waited five hours, six hours, seven hours. This is compared to seven minutes. And for every tenth of a mile, a polling place is moved from a black community. Voting goes down a half percent up to four miles. Hmm. Pretty crazy. So understand this. This is not the only way voters end up being suppressed. There's so many other ways. And yeah, it's, 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 it's insane. So imagine finding out that you can't vote. Only one month till the big day. My first time voting in a presidential election. <sighs> I remember voting in my first presidential election. I voted for Bill Clinton. I liked how he only jogged if he ended up at a McDonald's. I could relate to that. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that story with me, Dad. You know, one day I too hope to share the story of me voting in my first presidential election with my children. Hold up. It says here I'm not registered to vote. Oh, that's going to be a real short story. Oh, Lord, help us black Jesus. Earl, I think he's back on the Pokemon again. You remember when he walked into that abandoned construction site? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Boy, he ain't got no sense. No, I've been purged from the voter rolls. Sounds like I don't even exist. That's the dream, son. You're no longer on the government's radar. You don't have to worry about being drafted, paying taxes, <laughs> getting the Presidential Medal of Freedom. You oh. are in the clear. No, I want to vote. I've been so careful to protect myself. I don't drive over the speed limit. I've never opened anyone else's mail. You know, I didn't even drink underage in college. So Junior just found out he's been purged from the voting registered list. So understand this. Before I get into it, pretty funny. Bill Clinton was the first president I ever wrote to in my, I want to say maybe third or fourth grade. No. Fourth grade class, we wrote to Bill Clinton. We got a letter back. It was so exciting, by the way. And I really do remember him jogging and going to McDonald's. Brilliant. Just brilliant political strategy. But anyways, um, so understand that this happens all the time to people. You line up to vote. You get there, tell them your name, and they say your name is not on the list. So here's the crazy thing. Since the Voter Civil Rights Act was gutted, 
um, purging of voters became a lot easier. 16 million between those years and realized they could not vote. They would register before, but all of a sudden they can't vote. So normally those states who purged the most happened to be um, those nine states from the Voter Civil Rights Act um, that needed preclearance before. Hmm, that's crazy. That's a coincidence. So with that being said, um, most common reasons to be purged from the voter list or register list is change of address, death, understandable, and fail to vote. Which means if you didn't vote in a recent election, in some of those states, you could find yourself not able to vote anymore. And normally they rely on data that's kind of faulty. So, for instance, in Arkansas in 2016, they purged thousands of felons, right? But they later found out that many of those voters never even was convicted of a crime, let alone a felony. In 2013, Virginia purged 39,000 voters. And guess what? Based off their data, they found out there was an error of up to 17% or more. Huh, that's a shame. So one of the most famous voting purge incident would be, guess what? Georgia. Hmm. 2018. 2018, you have a election for governor happening. And two people are running, um, Stacey Abrams of the Democratic Party and Brian Kemp. Brian Kemp, though, is the secretary of the state at the time. And secretary of state is over registering voters and over the election to ensure there's a fair election. He's a Republican. Um, with being so fair, he decided to purge over 107,000 voters. Right. And during his time as the state secretary, he purged 1.6 million voters. Hmm. That's crazy. So, so why would he do that? Right. Let's, let's talk about it. The reason why he was purging these voters, he claimed to, you know, of course, to make sure the voting fraud, hmm, fraud, huh? And also to, Hey, you didn't vote. You haven't voted in a while. You probably don't want to vote anymore. So we're going to take you off the list. All right. And another thing he was doing, he was also holding people registration to vote based off not exactly matching government database, which means if you have a hyphenated name and if you put in your voter registration and you forgot to hyphenate, you could be placed on hold. If you didn't put one of your additional last names, let's say your um, Latinx, Hispanic, however you wanted to uh, use in terms of terminology, and you have more than one last name and you might have flipped the names around, uh, you're being placed on hold. Okay? If the letter is misspelled or something misspelled, ah, you're being placed on hold. And here's the deal. He won that election in 2018 by 54,723 votes. Hmm. That's 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 very close. Um, and it's very close when you think about it, especially when you know he purged 1.6 million voters and placed many of them on provisionary ballots that probably wasn't ever counted. Um, because their last name was hyphenated or wasn't hyphenated. So with that being said, 70% of those voters that actually was purged happened to be black. Yeah, they were black. And this has continued to happen in Georgia. Just recently in December, um, Stacey Abrams has a, uh, organization called Fair Fight, and she sued um, because 309,000 people recently was purged again from the voting logs, and she was trying to prevent that, and the federal court decided against her, of course. And remember, Trump, he filled 128 vacancies, FYI. Um, so all this is happening. And, and please understand, right now, there's a very close election in Georgia, their Senate race. You have one man who is very close to Trump, um, using very um, racial overtones in his campaign. 
and all of a sudden, just I believe yes, yesterday or day before, could not pronounce Kamala Harris. Couldn't pronounce it. He worked with her for over three years in the same committee, but he made a joke of her name at a Trump campaign rally during a pandemic, of course, with no mask and having someone for some reason surf the crowd. Yeah, that happened. So let's have a quick word from our president. An email from Kevin for you, Mr. President. Uh, If there is another relief bill, how can we stop lawmakers from dipping into it again for special interest projects? Man, we were just talking about this. Do you want to expand? Can we stop the next one? It's It's just the common facts. I mean, they have a majority in the House, and therefore you need their vote, and they want to get certain things. I will tell you this. If you look at before and after, the things they had in there were crazy. Uh, they had things, uh, levels of voting that if you ever agreed to it, you'd never have a Republican elected in this country again. They had things in there about, uh, you know, election days and uh, what you do and uh, all sorts of uh, clawbacks. And they had things that were just totally crazy. So what the president was referring to that was crazy was money to be allocated for the post office and for states to ensure a fair election and to ensure those who are shut in or just want to stay quarantined and safe from this COVID virus um, means to vote through mail. And he called all that crazy. And he said levels of voting, levels of voting that would ensure another Republican would never be elected again. And he understands that if there's more voters, there's not a good chance for him to be elected, reelected. I'm sorry. Um, Trump has also provided Many reasons to not help the post office. And he actually has, some said, instructed his good buddy, pal, new uh, Postmaster General, Louis DeJoy, to deliberately slow down the mail by sending people home early, not allowing overtime, telling them to leave the mail there, taking out letter sorters and also um, public mailboxes from highly populated places in uh, bigger cities and places where black and brown voters are um so yeah he's lying all this stuff and pretty much want to prevent people from voting um with that being said he's also said things such as trump supporters need to watch the polling places during the day of election and someone named Stuart rhodes took that literal and said you know what i'm gonna go out and do that me and my group of my buddies And this group is a far-right group, which is called the Oath Keepers. He told the LA Times that his members will be out on election day to protect people who are voting. He said some would be carrying concealed weapons. That sounds a whole lot like raffle clubs, the, the, the White League, and the Red Shirt groups back from the 1800s. Hmm. He said if his group noticed, for example, protesters... At polling sites with guns, we are going to intervene. We've done it before, he said. And also, if cops are are doing their job, we'll just stand by. If they're not, we'll step in. So in essence, he's speaking about voting intimidation, which is against the law in the United States. But he's talking about, in so many words, doing that. And many other right-wing groups are saying they will do the same. Um, and finally, the last way because of the 2013 election, gerrymandering has become um, put on steroids, ways to create new mapping of districts, congressional districts, to ensure a Republican victory in the House. They, they tried that. It worked for quite some time. And also in state legislators, which has happened as well. So diluting um, the minority vote. So the, the last thing is, how can we fix this? Right. The number one thing that we need to do is vote people out that create laws like this. And when you go vote, have a plan. Right. Know exactly what you need. Stay in line. um, Have a ride. Um, And when I say things you need, if you need certain IDs, have more than enough Um, and vote early if you can. Right. Turn in your ballot in early if you can. Also, um, call your senator and press them on the fact that they need to vote for the Voting Rights Act for the fourth section. 
And also, if you see anyone being intimidated or someone trying to stop you from voting, call one eight one eight six six R vote one eight six six R vote O U R V O T E, or for Spanish one eight 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 V E Y V O T A. And also check out the ACLU website and vote.org. Welcome to another Be Inspired moment. Today, I want to use a quote from Theodore Roosevelt, and it says this. Believe you can, and you're halfway there. Hmm. Whatever it is, whatever it may look like, believe in yourself. Because I found out many times you may be the only one that actually believes. We defeat ourselves because we just don't trust ourselves. We don't believe, we don't trust our ability, and we don't understand our capacity to be great. So I believe you could do amazing things if only you first start with some faith and belief. So believe in your ability, believe that you're in the right place, believe that anything is possible, and believe that you can. Yes, you can. Voting is is the bedrock of, of our democracy. The right to vote is the most powerful tool that we that we have. Every four years, you can call it a new revolution, a peaceful revolution where you can change those who are in power and cause those who are not being responsible with the power that through this social contract in America that we gave them or lent them. And it's time to either take it back or hand it to someone else. So please vote. Please make sure you register to vote and don't allow these obstacles to prevent you from making your voice heard. And if for some reason you think that your vote doesn't count, understand this. If it didn't count, so many people in America would not throughout history try to prevent your vote. So like Michelle Obama said, you've got to vote, 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 vote. That's it. So that's the way she says that we can move forward. So with that being said, keep moving. Keep moving forward. God bless. And remember, there's no bad days, only bad moments. And you, you get to decide. So decide to have a good one. Came a long way, that's what the song say. And I could do all things, I could do all things, yeah, I could do all things, yeah, yeah. We came a long way, that's what the song say.